0: One of my favorite Boudreaux and Thibodeau stories has to be the story of Boudreaux and Thibodeau out on one of the parish roads. They're standing there with some homemade signs. One says, the end is near. The other says, turn while you still can. And there's this guy driving down that parish road who just happens to be an atheist. And he sees their sign, and it makes him so mad. He slows down, he rolls down his window, and he shouts out the window. Of them. He just, you know, shakes his fist at him, and he shouts out the window at him, and he says, "You guys are just a bunch of religious nuts," he says. And and then he and then he punches the accelerator, and and he shoots on, you know, past them, and and they're just there for a minute. When all of a sudden they heard the screeching brakes, and they heard the collision, and and Boudreaux looked at Thibodeau, and he said, "Do you think our sign ought to just say?" bridge out. That'd probably be better. It'd probably be better if it just said bridge out. Hey, we're, um, we're actually wrapping up this uh, series of messages that we've been sharing with you called Keeping the End in Sight. And primarily what I've been talking to you about is just how important that is as it relates to visions and dreams that God places within your heart. And I know many of you, many, many, many of you have got great dreams in your heart for God. And and I've been talking to you about how those dreams and visions kind of set the joy before you that help you to endure whatever cross you've got to bear under in order to kind of bring that dream into fruition and, and see that thing come into reality and And I've heard a lot of feedback from folks. I know we've got great dreamers in this church. And and I'm just so thankful that God will let us dream great dreams for Him. Uh, I want to wrap up this series, though, by uh, taking a little bit different approach to this whole thing. Uh, Because when when we're talking about the end, when we talk about keeping the end in sight, I think to keep the end in sight, we need to be aware of the very end. How many know sometimes you go through something that seems like an ending that isn't really the end, right? It may be the end of that era. It may be the end of that chapter of your story. It may be the end of a very difficult season that you've gone through or maybe a very fruitful season. And so maybe you're looking, you know, at, okay, uh, I, I I have got to kind of the end of, this particular phase of of life and, and man, I'm, I'm looking at the next one and I don't know exactly what that's going to, you know, all hold in store. I think the point that I really want to drive home today is there's an end to all those endings and that that's what we need to keep in sight. As Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, we really need to keep the ultimate ending in sight. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 24 verse 14. He said, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. So Jesus said there's an end that's coming. As believers, we need to know that. We need to be aware of that and I'm saying to you today as we wrap up this series of messages that that is the end, ultimately that is the end that we need to keep in sight. I think everybody is aware that an end will come, you know, whether it's kind of um, kind of a stage of life thing, you know, you, you go through your 20s, your, your 30s, you get into your 40s and all of a sudden you're in your 50s and you're having grandbabies and you're more aware of there's an ending to this, Right? And so whether it's kind of that for you, whether, you know, seasonally you see the inevitability of, you know, your life coming to an end, as it were, or whether you just, as someone on the planet, look around you and recognize, hey, the end is coming for us all. I mean, come on, let's get real. Let's get honest. I think everybody can kind of look at the affairs of the day and the things that's going on and listen unless you've got your head in the sand, we know that we cannot sustain the kind of living we're doing in this temporal existence here on earth. We can't go on as things are and expect for it to just go on and on. We look around and we see that's unsustainable. This has all got to come to an end at some point. And so what happens is, is that Washington kind of monopolizes on that, government kind of monopolizes on that, and they make promises that they can't keep. And then Hollywood kind of monopolizes on that, and, and, and they put all these movies together, these storylines of, of, of everything coming to an end, and usually with Hollywood, it's either a meteorite taking out the whole planet, or it's a zombie apocalypse, right? Have you had enough of the zombies? I'm like, okay, enough with the zombies. Every other movie is another zombie movie. But again, it's just Hollywood preying on the reality that we all get it. We all know. We all recognize this is all coming to an end at some point. Now listen to me. As believers, I'm telling you, you need to keep the end in sight. And the wonderful thing about all of that for us as Christ followers is this. As Christ followers, the end we keep in sight is a positive one. We don't have to fear that. We don't have to be afraid of that. That's something that we don't have to worry about or even wonder about. We can actually know what the end of things look like as believers because God and God's Word gives us revelation along those lines. And we can know what's going to happen in the end And we can live completely unafraid of the end. And here's why. Because the end for us is really the beginning. (laughs) It's not an ending at all. The end for us is the beginning of a never-ending future with Jesus Christ and every believer in this house. Ought to give God praise for that right now. We know... We know the end is coming. We know even kind of what that end might look like, but we're not afraid of that. We don't dread that. In fact, believers even say things like, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And the crazier government gets and the crazier life gets here on the earth, I find myself saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? So the end for us isn't an end at all. It's the beginning of a never-ending future with Jesus Christ, Paul by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote in his first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 17. He, he said, you know, the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then he said, Then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. Somebody say caught up. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. I'm going to say that one more time. Then we will be with the Lord forever. (laughs) Take that zombie. We've got a forever with Jesus that we can look forward to. The end for us looks like forever with him and I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for that hope. I'm so thankful for that promise, so thankful for that assurance today. I don't know what people do that don't have that assurance. I don't know how you face the kind of stuff we're facing in this world um, and and really sleep at night if you don't have that peace and that assurance. So let me give you just a few things today that you need to, to, to know about the end. As we keep the end in sight, Here's a few things you need to know about the end. Number one, it will come for all, either through the grave or through the return of Christ. Can I say that one more time? It's coming for everybody. The end is coming for everybody, either through the grave. How many of you know you're not gonna live forever? How many of you know you got an expiration date? And, and sooner or later, this mortal life that you've been living is going to come to an end, either by way of the grave. The end is coming either by way of the grave or through the return of Christ. I'm going to focus on that in in just a moment. But let's let's start off here by talking about the fact that all of us do have that expiration date, that, that all of us are going to come to an end through death if Jesus tarries. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, Everyone must die once, and after that be judged by God. I appreciate all those hallelujahs now, you know. Uh, he said, everyone must die once and after that be judged by God. The truth is, you're not promised tomorrow. God could come for you today. I have people that ask me all the time, uh, you know, uh, about eschatology and the end times and, you know, um, uh, the rapture and all that stuff. I have people ask me Jeff you really believe Jesus could come back at any minute and I do I mean I've studied scripture my entire adult life I've studied Bible prophecy my entire adult life and I I genuinely believe in my lifetime we've seen everything fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled for Christ to come back for his church I believe he could come back at any minute but here's one thing that I know of even great of even greater certainty he could come for all of us at any minute that's true And it's also true he could come for any of us at any minute. By way of the grave, today could be any of our day. Do you understand that? We're not promised tomorrow. And that's why we need to keep the end in sight knowing that we're going to meet with that moment where God calls us out of this life temporal into that eternity where we face him and we're judged by him. Psalm 116 and verse 15 says this precious In the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. You know, we tend to look at death with such angst. We look at at death with such dread, many times with worry, with all kinds of fear associated with the thought of death. But God said the death of his faithful ones is a beautiful thing in the eyes of the Lord. You know why God feels that way? Because he knows that death for us is just a doorway out of this temporal existence into that eternal one. It's beautiful in the sight of the Lord. Listen, I've done a, I've, I've officiated a lot of funerals in over 35 years of ministry, a lot of funerals. And I can tell you that when I'm standing with people who knew who know that their their loved ones knew the Lord, their loved one was serving God, their loved one was living for the Lord. Listen, it's a whole other funeral from people that don't know and don't have that assurance. And I got to be honest with you. I don't know how people get through those moments of of, of uncertainty I, I I just um man. I just reached out to a good friend just this past Saturday. Uh, I have a friend here in the church his dad has has been on his deathbed for weeks now and and he's just been holding on man just been holding on and and uh, and I, I I got the the message Saturday that he had slipped into eternity, and I text messaged my friend. I said, You got one more reason to look forward to heaven now. Because we know Pop's there, we know he's he's there, he's received his reward, he's there with, with the Lord, and he's gonna be waiting on you. You got one more reason to go to heaven. Come on, got one more reason to look forward to that city where the Lamb of the Lord is the light. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 gives us great assurance as believers. It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we slip out of this mortal existence, the Bible said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Second thing that I want you to know about the end is this. I said it's either going to come for you by means of the grave or through the return of Christ. So let me focus on that for just a moment. And let me point out another thing you need to know about the end. And that is that the return of Christ actually occurs in two stages. There's a lot of people that don't understand Bible prophecy, a lot of people that shy away from Bible prophecy. They find it confusing. They feel like they just can't figure it out. And many times that's because they don't understand that the return of the Lord actually happens in two phases. I want to kind of unpack that with you here today. The first phase of the return of the Lord is what we refer to as the rapture of the church. It's that great catching away that I read about a moment ago in First. Thessalonians chapter 4 where the body of Christ that remains here on the earth when Christ comes will be caught up to be with Christ and uh, we refer to that as as the rapture. It's the rapture of the church. The Bible teaches that the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are still living are going to be caught up right along with them. God's going to snatch you right up off this planet And the Bible said we'll meet him in the air. And and, and the Bible said we'll exist with him eternally from that moment on. That is the first phase of the return of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 describes it. In verse 51, it reads like this. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trump is blown For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die, and our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So in other words, those that have gone by way of the grave will come out of their grave in a new glorified body in that rapture of the church and we even though we've never experienced death ourselves will go through the same type of transformation where these perishable bodies uh, are put off and we are given brand new glorified bodies my glorified body's gonna be about six five and um I'm gonna weigh the same because I'm not overweight I'm I'm under height is my problem so God's gonna transform our bodies in that great catching of the way that's the first phase of the return of Christ then seven years pass and I'm going to talk about what's going to happen here on the earth in those seven years in a minute but we're going to be up there with the Lord man we're going to have all kind of banqueting feasts with the Lord we're going to get to see our new digs man we're going to we're going to have these uh, new heavenly homes that God has prepared for us it's going to be great Um, Man, you should see the size of the crawfish in heaven. It's amazing. So listen. So seven years happens and then the second phase of Christ's return happens. We call it the glorious appearing. It's described in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 and 8. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all people on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. That is the second phase of the return of Christ. And there are Uh, stark differences between the first phase of his return and the second phase of his return. And the reason why Bible prophecy is so confusing to so many is because uh, there are passages that are describing the first phase of his return, and then there's other passages that are describing the second phase of his return. And if you don't know how to differentiate between the two, you can actually confuse things and wonder, why is this happening when it shouldn't be happening until this or that? So... Uh, Let me point out just a couple of of stark differences between the first phase and the second phase. In the first phase, Jesus never actually comes to the earth. We are caught up to be with him in the clouds. In the second phase, he absolutely um, plants his feet on this earth. In fact, the very place that he plants his feet, the scripture says, will be a mountaintop just outside of Jerusalem, and that mountain will split in half when his feet set down upon it. And uh, and so that's a, a real difference. Another difference I just read about, and that is, uh, I read about it there in Revelation chapter 19. I read about a difference in the, in, the first, um, in the first phase of his coming. What's interesting, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 1. What's interesting is only those of us that are ready for him will see him in the great catching away. CNN isn't going to catch that. <laughs> only those that are waiting for him and prepared for him will see him. But when he comes back in that second phase, everybody's going to see him. Everybody's going to see him. And so there are stark differences and you need to keep the end in sight by understanding his return comes in two phases. Third thing I want to break out for you is that between these two events, great tribulation will come upon the earth. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 21, at that time there will be great tribulation, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Now, many of us have seen horrific things happen upon the earth, wars and pestilence and famine and the effects of it all, and we've seen the horrors of it, but I'm here today to tell you you haven't seen anything. As what's going to happen in those seven years as the wrath of God is poured out upon this earth, Now, here's the beautiful thing for me and you, those of us that have placed our faith in Christ, he has not reserved his wrath for us, but for this world once we're taken out of the way. Somebody ought to be thanking God about right now. Because I'm telling you, you don't want to be here in those seven years of tribulation. You don't want to be here in those great uh, moments of tribulation upon the earth. Some of the things that will happen during those seven years is a one-world government will rise. It will be overseen by uh, one the Bible refers to as the Antichrist. He will promise peace at first, but it won't be long before he'll be demanding loyalty by death. Uh, He will require people to put a mark in their hands or on on their forehead that will be the only means by which they can engage in any kind of commerce or trade or buy groceries or any of that. So, also during that time, I've already mentioned, God's wrath is poured out in horrific fashion. The death penalty for those who refuse to take the mark of loyalty to what the Bible calls the beast, the Antichrist, will be put in place. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is there will continue to be people turn to Christ during those seven years and give their heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I mentioned that one time, and a guy said, well, I might just wait around because I'm not really ready to get saved now, so I, I might wait around. I'll give my, my life to the Lord then, and this is what I told him. You can't live for God now. What makes you think you're going to live for God then? Come on, somebody. And so you have these seven years of great tribulation. And then the fourth thing that I want to point out as we keep the end in sight is that the glorious appearing, that second phase of Christ's return, will result in the defeat of Antichrist and the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. So Christ will come back. The Bible said we will come with him. The Bible said we'll be riding with him on white horses. That's why I like to ride horses. I'm practicing. And he will come back to make war on the Antichrist. Listen to Revelation 20, verse 4. Uh, John said, "...I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue nor accepted his mark on their forehead or or their hands." They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They, Those martyred saints, those that give their life during those seven years of tribulation, will reign with Christ, run along with us, those that come back with him to this earth. He's going to set up his kingdom. Praise God. We don't have to worry about, you know, Barry Sanders or Donald Trump anymore. We're going to have a real ruler for this world. Amen. Not Barry. Is it Barry Sanders? Bernie. Bernie. <laughs> Bernie. We, that's right. That's right. My friend calls him Weekend with Bernie Sanders. So I, We don't have to worry about any of those guys, Pelosi. We don't have. Listen, we don't have to worry about any of those folks. Praise God. They're not going to be in charge anymore. Jesus is going to be in charge. We're going to rule. We're going to reign with him here upon the earth. I'm personally going to reign and rule over Colorado. I worked that out with him. You'll just have to take it up with him. But anyway, um, the fifth thing that I want you to see, and this is the part of prophecy that I think is is... Most vague to me that I don't understand perhaps more than other portions of Bible prophecy. But the fifth thing that I want you to see is that God will provide a new heaven and a new earth where we will spend eternity second peter chapter 3 verse 12 and 13 said on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames but we are looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth he has promised a world filled with god's righteousness so for all of you with environmental concerns you just need to know the earth's going to last at least another thousand years as Jesus rules and reigns here, and then he's going to discard it anyway. It's going to burn with a fervent heat, and he's going to usher in a new heaven and a new earth, and that's where we're going to spend eternity. That's what the end looks like for us, and it's not an end at all. It's a beginning, a beginning of an eternity with him. Now, let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up real quickly by just telling you, all right, so as a believer, how do you keep the end in sight? How do we keep that end in sight? Number one, live ready to meet God at any time. Can I say it one more time? You're not promised tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to live through this day. So you need to get right with God and stay right with God and be ready to meet him when he calls for you. Matthew 24, You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. The only way to be ready is to make Jesus Lord of your life. So answer that question in your own heart right now. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Are you serving God? Are you ready to meet God in eternity? Second thing that I would say to keep the end in sight, we need to do is, number two, we need to help others get ready. Because even if you are ready and you know Jesus and you have the assurance of a heavenly home, stop and say thank God. But then recognize there's plenty around us that don't have that assurance. And if God came for them today, they would not be prepared. They would spend all eternity separated from God in a place of punishment. Stop for just a moment, even if you are ready and recognize that if Christ came for the church today, there would be millions left behind and many of them people we love, people we care about and ultimately I believe we're responsible to God over. I believe their blood will be on our hands. If we don't share our faith with them, we don't invite them to church with us, we don't give them an opportunity to come to know Christ as we know Christ and be ready when Christ comes, then I do believe we have some responsibility in all that. Jude says in the little uh, letter of Jude there at the, at the end of the of the New Testament, Jude chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, you must show mercy to those... Who faith is wavering, and you must rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. When we lead somebody to Christ, it's almost like snatching them out of the flames of hell itself. And, and we've got to live our lives as believers with that kind of intentionality to keep the end in sight. Number three, treat life as temporary. Treat life as temporary. This isn't going to last forever. And so we need to treat life as a temporal life. I am not saying don't go shopping. I'm not saying don't go play a round of golf. I'm not saying that at all. I believe God wants us to enjoy our life here on earth. I many believe it. At the same time, we need to place the greater emphasis on eternity. And we don't. Church, come on, let's get honest. We don't. We place the greater emphasis on the now when this is just a drop in the bucket compared to the then. And so we need to place the greater emphasis on eternity and live our lives in this temporal existence as just that, a temporal existence. John 9, 4 says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work. What we do for God, we've got to do now because we're not promised tomorrow. And so we must treat life as temporary. And then number four, we've got to store up treasures in heaven. So many of us are so involved in trying to store up treasures here for somebody else's garage sale in a few years. Again, I'm not saying you don't need to have nice things. I'm all about that. That's wonderful. I'm just simply saying, you can't take it with you. The only thing you're going to take with you, the only thing you're going to have to lay at his feet one day in that eternal setting is what you do for him here. So get on a serve team. Go on a short-term missions assignment. Begin to share your faith with your neighbor and your coworkers. Lead somebody to the Lord. Begin to store up treasure in heaven. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 20, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Don't be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. Here on the earth, do good. Let God use you to make a difference, an eternal difference in someone else's life. That's what it means to keep the end in sight.